We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on pacer nation welcome back to your go-to pacers podcast i'm your host alex golden i'm joined today by michael j Fachi to recap the pacers 142 to 132 loss to the miami heat Fachi, how we doing it could be better i mean for the miami heat this was i believe was either the sixth or the fifth most points they've ever scored uh in, in nba history for them you know franchise history well you get to play us again two days from now, so we'll see what they could do. It feels like any time a team plays the Pacers, it could be a record night for them. Tonight was no different. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and it felt like the first quarter defense was actually pretty good. It was. They only allowed one offensive rebound. It felt like this was going to be a pretty solid game from the Pacers that came out laser-focused, and then everything just kind of went south in the second half, and my first thing that I really want to bring up is the Miami Heat were without Bam out of bio in the second half. Easily their second best player on their team. Someone that's a huge focal point of what they do. And the Pacers could not take advantage. In fact, they got obliterated in the second half by Miami. Just an atrocious effort. And I, I think that's where you have to start. It's just the second half and how the Pacers just... Basically, this was a tale of two halves if you look at this game. Yeah, it really was. I thought... That- the first half, like you mentioned, you know, the Pacers came out specifically in that first quarter. They were hot. I mean, they ended up building a 13-point lead. I felt like guys like Obi Toppin really set the tone. Uh, then Tyrese Alberton, I mean, first half, 28 points. He was on fire. That second half for Miami, yeah, like you mentioned, they end up going small. Um, and a guy like Bam Adebayo, who is a defensive player of the year candidate, well, Miami's defense actually picked it up in the second half. Specifically, that fourth quarter, the Pacers were nowhere to be found. I mean, there, there's so much that could go into this. Is there one spot you want to touch on before I'm hopping around 
like some hopscotch. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things I want to look at here is just the free throws. I mean, Miami did a great job of getting Indiana in foul trouble, slowing the game down, playing their pace. They go 38 of 45 from the free throw line. So they've got 45 free throws compared to the Pacers, 32. So 13 more free throws. The Pacers missed 11 free throws tonight. Now, a couple of those were intentional misses at the end of the game. But Tyrese Halliburton was not hitting his free throws early on. Miles Turner missed back-to-back free throws in the fourth quarter. Obi Toppin had three missed free throws. It's like, okay, at one point they were like down by six points. If they just make half those free throws, it's a two-point game. And it's like I'm not one to harp on free throws a lot because this is a team that usually shoots the ball pretty well from the uh, free throw line. But I felt like the discrepancy in terms of the amount of free throws that the Heat made over the Pacers, having 13 more free throw attempts, and then – having 17 more made free throws felt like a big difference in the game. It really was. And I tweeted out, I think when the Pacers missed six or seven free throws, I was like, man, I really hope this doesn't come back to bite them. But it was noticeable to just be like certain guys are missing free throws. Hal Burton, you know, early on, it was like, what's going on over here? But 11 missed free throws is way, way too much. But I mean, think about this. The Pacers shot, what, 30, 32 free throws in this game. Jimmy Butler alone was living at the free throw line. I mean, he had he had 20 free throws. He went yeah. 18 of 20. So, like, Jimmy finishes the game with 36 points. I mean, lived in the paint, but the 20 free throw attempts, I mean, the Pacers had nothing like it. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. Halberg shot 12. He goes 8 of 12 there. So the free throw discrepancy, definitely huge in this game. But, man, that, that, that was a frustrating part. One, one thing that I think that, you know, got to touch on is um, that fourth quarter. I mean, Alex, let's put it this way. The Pacers give up 45 in the fourth. It might have scored 32, but it didn't look like a 32-point fourth quarter. At one point, the Pacers were being outscored. It might have been like 7-26 to or 9-26. to It it was a very big discrepancy, and I just feel like Miami ran away in that fourth quarter, got everything they wanted, and the Pacers, they looked flat, flatter than a pancake in that fourth quarter. I thought you were going to go with your analogy on Twitter, you know, flatter than I didn't a, want to, I didn't want to use it twice. Flatter than a tire with a nail in it, right? Flatter than, that's what it was. I, I felt that air, it came out, and it just looked like the crowd of Miami. Everyone was dancing. They were having a great time. Like, it looked like they were having a fun blast. And for the Pacers, it looked deflated. Yeah, I mean, and and this is one of those games where you kind of look and you're thinking, what happened? And me and you were talking about it before we got on air, and it was just constant missed three-point shot. I think when we were just talking briefly, and we didn't finish the entire score by or play-by-play recap before we got on here, it was like, oh, they'd make a layup, they'd get another two-point shot, missed three, missed three, missed three, missed three, missed three, missed three. It's like they probably had like 12, 13, 14 missed threes in a row, which – Honestly, that just hurts you because then all of a sudden those missed threes are long rebound opportunities for Miami to get out and get in transition. And then the Pacers aren't necessarily matched up as well with who they're trying to guard, which puts them in scramble mode, which also gives the Heat a chance to kind of obliterate what the Pacers are trying to do. So, you know, this is one of those things where I thought, man, defensively early on, the Pacers actually looked pretty solid. Their rotations were pretty strong. They were they were doing a good job of recovering. There was a couple of different times when the Pacers were even mismatched, and they worked as a team to make the right rotations. And then all of a sudden, the second half, it's like, 
oh, they got a little bit comfortable because they were up by 10 points and maybe not seeing Bam out of bio out there was like, oh, we can we can exhale for a second. It's like, no, you can't. You got you got to go up against a Miami Heat team that's incredibly well coached. Eric Spolstra is a terrific basketball mind. And I and I think the second half really, and Quentin brought it up a lot of times on the on the on the broadcast, but the the Heat's ability to kind of shut the Pacers down and and Tyrese down was huge. They they start making Tyrese be more of a playmaker, double teaming him, giving him different looks, throwing everything at him. And Caitlin Cooper brought up a great point on Twitter. Buddy Hill hits his threes. This is a different ball game. Buddy's threes were open mostly, right? It's not like he was taking a lot of bad shots. He just wasn't hitting them. And so I think that's why Rick kept him out there a little bit longer, whether you agree with it or not. It's because he was hoping, okay, he's an elite shooter in his career. I'm going to hope he gets through this. But he didn't. And when when Ty is being – when he's drawing that much attention to, from the defense, other guys have to step up. And, unfortunately, in this game, Obi Toppin did for a little bit, but he wasn't really doing that in the fourth quarter. No, he wasn't. And for Obi, you know, I want to give him a quick shout-out. First quarter, he he set the tone. First five points for the Pacers. Scored 10 in the first uh, two in the second had like thir- I believe thirteen. Uh, it was eleven or thirteen in the third, but fourth quarter I think he went scoreless. Yeah. So it was nowhere to be found. Buddy healed that he touched on. This was tough because when Buddy's great and he's the Buddy heel that we all know and love, the Pacers are a dangerous team. But when he's not, and specifically the last two games against Portland and Miami, Buddy's. 8 of 26 from the field, 3 of 17 from 3. And to your point, a lot of those were wide open threes. And, you know, we're not going to say, like, why like he had, you know, 30 seconds to shoot them. But it's not like he was heavily defended on a lot of them. Those were good looks that normally go in. And I think he just pushes it a little bit too much or just, just puts the pressure on himself to get himself out of a slump. And I, I feel like it always works in the negative for mm. Buddy. So, a night like tonight, you know, I'm not going to say by any means it cost the Pacers, but the Pacers needed him, and he was not there for the Pacers. It was tough because guys were not hitting three-point shots. Talked about it, this team, 11 of 43 from three. You're counting on a few threes from Buddy Heald to go in better than two for 11 for Buddy. Well, we've seen this. It's a, it's a reoccurring theme with the Pacers. When they shoot a low percentage from three, they don't win, they don't win basketball games. So what'd you say they made eleven tonight? No, they uh, Buddy went two of yeah. So Buddy went two of eleven, but as a, team, as a team, they want let they went eleven of yeah. forty three. That can't happen. It's twenty five percent. I think this goes into their bottom five of made three pointers in a game, which would result in five losses. Um, I wrote Makes that in my last article when I was looking at the Portland game because they shot poor against Portland. They shot poor against Orlando. Um, they shot poor against Boston and Chicago. So. Just games where you're like, okay, and like Miami's got a good defense. We know they do, but the Pacers put up 70 points on them in the first half. They were getting where they wanted to whenever they wanted to, and I looked at it. Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton were the only two to connect from three going into the fourth quarter. They had the eight three-pointers made. The Pacers only made three three three-pointers in that fourth quarter if they only made 11, so that's problematic, and this is a team that lives by the three and dies by the three. We know that. They ended up having 74 points in the paint. Kudos to them. I don't really care. That's, you know, that's a good amount, but it's like when you're not doing what you're supposed to be great at, which is making shots from outside, like Halliburton kind of went on a little tough stretch there where he wasn't like 
hitting a ton from three. I think he ended up going like six of 16 from three. So when he misses a lot, like he didn't shoot a good percentage. Obi Toppin ends up going three of seven. Some of his looks didn't look good at the end. But I I just feel like this Pacers team was discombobulated in that second half. And you give a lot of credit to Miami for doing that. But at some point, we got to quit giving the other team credit for what they're doing and look in the mirror and say, what is this Pacers team doing? So that's kind of like the big takeaways for me in this game. Obviously, there's a lot more we can get into. Um, I don't really have anything else to touch on in terms of my three main points why we lost, but I'm curious if you had anything else. I do have one more. Um, The bench unit. I just felt like tonight the Pacers went with a really condensed lineup. Obviously, no Jalen Smith. Isaiah Jackson was dealing with a respiratory issue. They, They really limited his minutes, played only about six minutes. I'm not counting Ben Shepard and Jarris Walker. They only played about eight seconds. I don't know why they really got in that game at that point. But you know, I believe it was it was 23 points for the bench tonight. Uh, going against Miami, who had, had let's see, uh, they, they had like 67 points. They had roughly 67 points. So off they the basically, bench. yeah, off the bench. So they basically tripled the bench production that the Pacers had. Guys like Jaime Hawkins tonight, he looked unreal. He looked like one of the best rookies in this class. And it just felt like Miami did it again. They found really good talent at a, at a late spot in a draft or whatever it may be. I mean, guys like Josh Richardson turning back the clocks. I mean, I just feel like Josh Richardson poured in 19 points on, in this game. I, I feel like between him and Jaime Hawkins, you're talking about – 43 points between the two of them. I just felt that Miami's bench really rose to the occasion tonight. And the Pacers bench was very, very thin tonight. And I I don't think uh, had much of an ability to step up because obviously Aaron Neesmith, you know, he was in foul trouble. Um, Nemhard, he fouled out. So I I just felt like Matherin, you know, he he had had 12. That's not enough to carry a team. You're not asking him to, but the Pacers, Pacers bench is typically a strong part of this of this Pacers team. Tonight, nowhere to be found. Miami's bench dominated them. Yeah, and I think part of that you have to kind of look at, too. Bam Adebayo didn't play in the second half, so they had to play more minutes, which gives them more of an opportunity to score and put points up. Uh, Haywood, Haywood Highsmith only played 15 minutes as well as a starter, so those kind of starter minutes kind of came from Haquez and Richardson, yep. who really did carry the team for that bench unit like you're talking about. They were really good. And you go back and look at the Pacers bench unit, which it's it's been kind of with their strength, but recently it's not been. And a lot of people are kind of attributing that to Buddy Heald starting over Ben Matherin. And people are mad because Buddy's playing more, but then they're also mad that the bench is struggling because Buddy's not a part of the bench unit. So it's like, I think people are just kind of throwing crap at the wall and hoping it sticks for whatever reason. But I don't think the bench unit necessarily is a, a product of Buddy not being a part of it because Buddy's still playing with that bench unit a lot of times when they go to that second quarter lineup. But I think a lot of it's just like the sloppiness that we've seen from that group. Um, Jalen Smith, obviously being out, I, I think that do, that does play an impact in tonight's game to a certain degree. I think so. Because smart basketball player shoots the ball well, good rim presence and Isaiah Jackson being sick. Like you mentioned that that does play a factor into his, what he can do probably can't run as fast and, and play for long stretches of time when he's dealing with an upper respiratory uh, sickness and then you you've got miles turner who is with the starters obviously but then you're trying to overplay him minutes and then you're playing against a bunch of small ball team that the the heat have it kind of puts him out of position a little bit 
I mean, I know Kevin Love played quite a few minutes, 17 minutes off the bench for the uh, for the Heat, and that's someone the Pacers can attack well, when he's out there. But, yeah, you know, I just – yeah, I just – this is a weird matchup for the Pacers. I mean, the Heat have always been a really good team, and they always figure out a way to get things done. But, yeah, Neesmith, I mean, shot the ball well, 4 or 5. Matherin was 5 of 7. Nimhard really didn't shoot the ball much. He still had 5 assists, but he was 1 of 4. I mean, the production from the bench to me – could have been better offensively, but at that same point, like they were just, they were just kind of stuck in a weird spot because the Pacers had to go to the, like they played a lot of starters with the bench guys. Like you said, they only played three bench guys, really significant minutes in this one. And mm-hmm. I felt like the starters were kind of the ones taking the load offensively from those guys and they weren't connecting. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, there weren't. And on a night like tonight where you knew Ijax had the upper respiratory issue, you know, the patients were limited at the bigs. Did you think maybe Oscar could make his, you know, make his pace for a regular season debut? I didn't think so. I didn't think this was the right matchup for Oscar. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't have been shocked if he got him over Jairus just because this is how the season's gone for Jairus Walker. But Rick's comments before it sounded like, you know, before the game, it sounded like Oscar stood more of a chance of getting in there than Jairus Walker, which I thought was surprising. But I thought it would have taken foul trouble, you know, for the for this Pacers unit for Oscar to get in there. Yeah, I, I knew they would go small with Obi Toppin, especially when Obi Toppin started out really well. And then I think Neesmith actually did a pretty good job in the few minutes he got to play the five, even though uh, Obi came in for him relatively quickly because he did foul out in that fourth quarter. But, yeah, just just one of those games where you feel like, oh, wow, we're going to have a good game to talk about here after the first half. Yep, that's what I thought. And it was like, okay, we came out to play. We showed everybody, all right, we, you know, we uh, let one go against Portland, but we're going to get it back here in Miami. And then all of a sudden, they just crapped the bed in the second half, man. It was bad. I was disappointed with the effort in which they came out in the second half. I thought to myself, what happened? I mean, I was really getting into some film study in the first half during halftime. I was looking at some of the great defense Nimhart had in that first half, like just just mucking things up for Miami and really being a, a, a tone setter out there for the defensive side of things. And I thought Ben Mathern had some really good moments in the first half. Caught the ball, drove to the basket without thinking twice, got fouled on one of the plays after that. Had a couple nice plays in the second half too, but it's just like everything kind of gets thrown away that happened good when you're trying to recap a game when a team lost and they give that many points, 45 points in the second in the fourth quarter. 
the definition of throwing everything good out the door when you lose is the fact that we are this deep into a podcast and didn't mention that Tyrese Halliburton had a career high tonight. Yeah. That is a definition of that. I just don't Tyrese care. I mean, is 40. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. We're, we're not on here to be like, well, we might have lost. But what about Halliburton tonight? Like, no. It's just like at the end of the day, we want to win. Halliburton's 44 points. It's It feels like it's forgotten about. Yeah. He was so, so good. Like, it was crazy to see Miami throw legitimately three guys at him. You could even say potentially four on that like last possession of the first half. It was that crazy. He was that hot. But I just feel like all of a sudden when you lose, it just changes everything. And it's just like you don't want to gloat about how amazing Halliburton was because you're more focused on how flat the Pacers were in that fourth quarter. And I know you used the word disappointed. I used it like the last two losses against Toronto and Portland. I, I tried to not use it today, but that's how I feel. It's just yeah. like, how could they come out like that in the fourth quarter at this point when you, when you were up 13? Like, this would have been just how you really get right. Now we're hoping once again, because the Pacers come out really motivated because they're going to play the Heat again. But yeah. I don't know. Before we get into that, I mean, there's still a few other things if we want to go through, you know, for this team. I mean, do you want to do, we were going to unleash a new segment, kind of, you know, do you want to tell the people what we were thinking? <laughs> yeah, no, um, so we're going to kind of ch- we're trying to change up our post game podcast feel for things format just to try to be a little bit more structured because we get all over the place and I still think we're working on it we're we're, we're tweaking our, uh, our 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 format but I wanted to kind of talk about maybe fill in the blank maybe two questions that you've come up with two questions I've come up with and then we can kind of answer them so I'll let you go first you have a question for me yeah Tyrese's first half was. One of the best I've seen from Tyrese, but at the same time, I'm getting used to it. I think so too. I think that that's that's a very fair answer from you because like he's averaging 26 on the season, so he's having these crazy stat lines. That now there's games that if he doesn't hit 10 assists, you're like, well, where was the ball movement tonight? Or like, oh, what Tyrese didn't get almost 30 because we are expecting it, and that's what I said before. Like, man, this 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 guy ain't all NBA. He's all world. Right now, I just think that the way he's playing, it's he would feel like an all NBA snub at this Mm -hmm. point if he was not one of the top guards chosen. Well, what's crazy too, it's like you go back and talk about how he had the career high right tonight against the Heat, and kind of gets lost in the shuffle because the Pacers Mm -hmm. lost. And you know, he had a really good game against the Trailblazers too. Like, obviously, could have maybe been more assertive in the second half and kind of taken over that game a little bit more than he did, but. He's had two really great games, 33, I think it was 33 and 9 yep. uh, on Monday, and then what do you have, 44 and 10 tonight. Yep. And he's going to be a nomination. He's going to be another nominee for player of the week, and he won't get it because Pacers can't win games. So that's problematic. That sucks. It stinks. But it it is what it is. So good question by you. I'll go to my next question, Fachi, and this one's kind of hard to talk about. But the Pacers win this game if they what? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Tighten up the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I just think that that's one way to put it is just like, where was that energy to start the fourth? I felt like Miami had all of it. I thought the Pacers had none of it. In a blink of an eye, it was just Miami ran away in that in that fourth quarter. At one point, the Pacers, I mean, the second half alone, they were shooting like, you know, 35% or whatever it might have been, 38 But I, I think in the fourth quarter, um, they were nowhere to be found. Yeah, no, I feel you on that one. I think the Pacers win this game if they learn how to play defense without fouling. Yeah, that's it, it's it's a common it's a reoccurring thing with this team. It's it, it's become a commonality now. Way too much. I'm sick and tired of talking about it. It's like we can come on this podcast say the same thing every game, but it's like, man, you put the you put the heat on the freezer line that many times. What do you expect? You're not going to win games. You can't get in a rhythm. Man, no. it's just. It's infuriating as someone watching this as a, with a fan perspective. It sucks. As someone covering the team, you know, you kind of deal with it a little bit better. I'm able to compartmentalize a little bit more uh, now that I'm analyzing it instead of just getting my my heart and my emotion into the game every time that they're on the, on the floor out there. But it, it does – it gets annoying, man. It's just why can't they figure it out? Why can't they put together a complete game for, for crying out loud? And that's the thing that they haven't. They've given you two, maybe three quarters. Maybe one of those quarters is is elite, where they might score forty to fifty points, you know, in in that range. But then you have a quarter like the fourth, where you give up forty five. I'm sorry, but that undoes any any good defense that you played in any other quarter because that is such a massive quarter for Miami. Um, yeah. Another one that I got for you, Buddy Hield tonight was. Atrocious. Yeah. This one <laughs> one word answer. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Buddy Hill, he missed a lot. He missed defensive assignments in the second half, like badly, just bad defensive communication, was reto- rotating late, recovering late. And I thought to myself, okay, like I, I think Buddy has been better as a team defender than people give him credit for. And I thought he did a really good job in the first half, maybe had like one or two mishaps. But I mean, the very first play of that second half, might have been the second play. Kyle Lowry gets wide open three. Kyle Lowry goes on an 8-0 run. That's all spearheaded because Buddy Heald goes to, like, switch with Obi Toppin whatever. Jimmy Butler comes across the middle. They don't communicate who's going to do what, and they both go with Jimmy. And then there is Kyle Lowry just standing wide open at the top of the left key and drills a three, and I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Like, how do you just let that many open shots happen? And so that's kind of where I feel like it was just atrocious. Like when you shoot that poorly and that's what you're supposed to do, the fact that he got that many minutes was a little bit mind-boggling to me. I think Rick Carlisle should have pulled him a lot sooner. I I think he should have. He plays 31 minutes, but 16 shots. I mean, the 16 shots, it's the second most on the Pacers. But, I mean, 5 of 16, 2 of 11 from 3. I just feel like I know they want to get Buddy in a rhythm. And, oh, at any point he could get going. But sometimes we got to realize, like, look, it, it just might not be his night. And tonight wasn't his night. And he will have plenty other nights that are his night. It could very well be the next game against Miami. But this, like, little bit of a roller coaster of, like, three really good games followed by two bad games then followed by three, it, it can't happen like that. It just can't because the Pacers are too reliant on his scoring. I mean, at what point do they put Ben Shepard in? For Buddy Hield in that moment, like Rick Carlisle talked about it at practice on Sunday, like, yeah, if we're not going to go out there and do what we're supposed to do, then maybe we need to start pulling guys. 
Okay. You pulled Matherin for a mistake he made, yep. which was deserving. I mean, that was a horrible uh, ball watch. And I don't even think Matherin was watching the ball. I don't even know what he was looking at. I'm going to put know. a clip out there because it was so bad, guys. I mean, I'm not trying to be picking on Matherin, but if you go watch the play that got him pulled out early in the fourth quarter before he came back in, you'll see exactly why they pulled him. It's just his defensive awareness can be so spotty. But I just feel like Buddy Hield, you know, maybe they gave him a pass because they were running the shooting and hoping they could, that could get him back in the game. But I think at some point you have to throw that to the to the curb and say, look, the guy's not hitting. His defense has not been that good. Maybe we give the rookie Ben Shepard an opportunity because at least we know that he's going to go out there and do everything that you ask him to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what opportunity he really got with eight seconds left in the game at that point, save him for the next game. But you know what? Hey, Ben Shepard, I, I think very well – you know, maybe could be out there for the next game. We'll see. But you kind of just hope that Buddy snaps out of it. Yeah. So my last one here for our fill in the blank segment uh, segment goes, blank describes the Pacers this season. Turnstile. A turnstile de- describes <laughs> okay. the Pacers. I mean, you could walk right through it. You're okay. going to get very little pushback. You know, you, you might not like a, Something blowing in the wind might not, you know, turn that thing over, but you give it just a little bit of a push, you're going to be able to get through. And I, I think that the Pacers' defense has been a turnstile defense this year. Absolutely, I was going to say inconsistency describes the Pacers this season. It works been, too. It's been a roller coaster ride. You know, you got the high highs, you got the low lows, and it's just frustrating. I think if you're if you're a Pacer fan right now, you know, you you see them come back against the Hawks, you see them beat the Sixers, you see them go out there and, and have a great game against the Cavaliers, and you're thinking, okay, this team is really special. And then you see Tyrese Halliburton drop 44 points against the Miami Heat and loss, and you're just like, okay, what are we doing? Like, what's going on here? Like, what can we do to get this team to be consistent? Because when you have a, a star on your team that drops 44 points in a game and you can't win when their other team's second-best player goes out of the game, that that's not <laughs> – you're you're a ways away from winning. And as much as we want this Pacers team to be really good, I would say that based on where they were last year, they've maybe taken a little bit of a step back. It's a fair assessment. I mean, right now the Pacers are what, nine and eight, nine and eight on the season. So they, they still have that. They're probably ahead of pace of where they were last year at this time. I don't believe the Pacers were nine and eight. They were better um, than that last year. At this point, they they were better at this point. Okay. Yes. Well, I knew I knew it'd be it'd be close, but defensively, no doubt. I mean, the Pacers' defense was not this bad last year. And Alex, it was bad last year. Yeah. I mean, this defense was. We, we talked about it. They were. I think they were like 29th last year. Maybe even last. Whatever it was, a bottom two unit last year. We thought, okay, hey, you know what? They could be a 20th ranked defense. Oh my God, that's great. That sounds like like the, the biggest fairy tale dream we could have ever imagined. At this point, you know, you, you're just hoping that you're not the worst defense in the league by the end of the year because giving up 130 to what feels like 150 points a night on any on what, what could be any night, it, it's just it's just crazy because when you talk about not being able to play a complete game, the one time that you held Portland to 114 points, whatever it was. He didn't show up offensively. So I I think they did take a step back. And the crazy thing is how all offseason, all we heard was that they were preaching defense. Mm -hmm. So that's the alarming part. 
Yeah, they were they were ten and seven at this point last year. Ten and seven, okay. And that and they went on a five game winning streak before they ended up losing to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which was the day before Thanksgiving, which we talked about. So, I remember that game. I think Miles Turner had a really good game in that. Or, yeah, um, I want to say it was like it was, yeah, he had a really good game. Yeah, I mean the Pacers took care of business. They beat the Raptors, Hornets, Rockets, and Magic twice, back to back games at home. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where the Pacers though. This year, their their first part of the schedule was pretty friendly, and that's what kind of makes yeah. this a little bit concerning. They were at a had a lot of games at home. I think eleven of their first seventeen have been at home, and they went six and five at home and dropped some games they should have won. So that's why it's like it does feel like they've taken a little bit of a step back in terms of like easier schedule. You know, Tyrese is ascending, and then there's been yes. no consistent number two, and I think that's been the reoccurring thing. Like, even Miles Turner last year was, like, the number two guy. Like, you felt yeah. like he was. Mm-hmm. Like, 18 points a game is legit. I think this year he's around 16. So, it's, yeah. you know, Matherin's not playing the same level he's playing at last year, and I think he's gotten better overall, but I think that fans aren't seeing it as much. So, it's a it's it's a tough spot to be in. I won't lie. I know I know there's a lot to say on, about this team, but overall, I think that you know they're not that much worse than last year. But I think expectations are a lot higher and they're on more people's radar, which is what's causing them to kind of not have the same sneak up on you and attack you success they had last year. Um and this year it's it's been kind of negative for them. I think that they've Got to figure out a way to be more consistent, and that's all I really can say about that. Yeah, because it's like we talked about. It took a like a leap backwards defensively. It took a leap forward offensively. They were already a good team last year. They were like a top ten offense, but now they're a number one offense. Like they're 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 great, but there's got to be somewhere in between that you could be a balance. Could you have been the you know the the fifth best team you know offensive team, and then the I don't know the twenty fifth. Defense, that would have been fine. But it's just like right now, it's just this is a Pacers team now that is averaging about 128 points per game right around there, but they're giving up just about the same amount. It's that that can't happen. No. I mean, so it, it's a big shame. But um, you know, I definitely hope you guys liked our fill in the blank segment. You know, we'll try and do that a little bit more because I think there's plenty of different words, phrases, anything of the sort that could be inserted um, you know, in this situation. But, man, I mean, as, as we look to wrap up, I mean, want to give Tyrese, you know, some, some flowers over here because I feel like it, it's sad that his career high is just being completely forgotten about. You know, maybe, maybe it'll be good for a couple tweets out there. Like, you know, people are like, Tyrese Albert, look at the stat line. But other than that, a loss is a loss, and that's what kind of takes the cake. Yeah, I mean – Kudos to Tyrese. Like, it's been awesome for him this year. And I know that, you know, he's not going to go out and be like, I got to get a number two guy on this roster. Like, that's not what he's going to do. But I I do think that he just needs to continue playing the way that he's playing and hope that other guys continue to step up and and, and just figure things out. I mean, the season's still early. We still have a a lot of the regular season left. We're only ending November, so we have December, January, February, March, and some of April. So you're talking four and a half months still left of Pacers basketball where they can maybe figure things out. And I'm hoping they can, because this has been, you know, there's been a lot of fun moments already this year, but you know, uh, Halliburton's been putting on a show almost every single night. So it's just, we got to find someone to help him out. But Fachi, go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at 
Pacers Pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. And ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace pacers podcast where you can find all of our post game recap videos. And please bear with us as we continue to try to tweak this, maybe make it more efficient and a better listen for you guys. And you know, we're we're still we're still experimenting with all of this. So please be patient with us. And uh we thank you so much for tuning in. Obviously, it's not fun to listen to a post-game loss podcast, but you never know um what's gonna happen, what funny thing we might say on here, what information we might give you to kind of point things out to hopefully guide this team and, and figure some stuff out. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers can get a cold dish of revenge on Saturday night against the Miami Heat, then please hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.